Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Scott Harrison had it all. His job as a nightclub promoter allowed him to mingle with top-level celebrities. The wealthy and the well-connected were well-known to Scott Harrison. His days and nights were filled with drugs and drinking, beautiful women and riches. Most people could hardly imagine a better life than the life Scott Harrison was living. But the outward appearances were deceiving. Despite all the fame, fortune, and females he could handle, Scott Harrison was empty on the inside. In fact, he says now, if I continued down this path, there was a good chance that I would die before I reached the age of 40. A lot of people dream of living the life that Scott Harrison lived, but Scott himself dreamed of a better life for himself. And then in 2003, Scott Harrison had an awakening. He realized that in order to have a better life, he had to become a better person. See, Scott had been raised as a Christian, but his job as a nightclub promoter had taken him far from God. And now, facing his own bankrupt soul, Scott decided to make a U-turn. Instead of living for his own pleasure and passion, Scott recommitted his life to God. He sold all his worldly goods and went and joined the Mercy Ships, a Christian ministry that brings hope and help to the poor and the suffering around the world. Scott spent two years ministering in Liberia. Then in 2006, he started an organization called Charity Water, which brings clean water access to people all over the globe. Since they began, Charity Water has funded more than 30,000 clean water projects in 26 countries, giving clean water to as many as 10 million people. When Scott Harrison wanted a better life, He began by making better choices. He gave up chasing external things to focus on internal progress. He stopped running after the perishable worldly goods and started laying up treasure in heaven. He focused on the right priorities, and the results have changed Scott's life for the better and have changed 10 million other people's lives as well. Have you ever wished that you could have a better life? Maybe you're here today and you think like Scott used to think. You think that a better life would mean getting a a better house or a better car or better job or better circumstances, but we all need to realize the surprising truth today. If you want a better life, you have to become a better you. The surprising truth is the only way to become a better you is to make better choices for the fact is you make choices and your choices make you. But the good news for all of us is that God has a plan that we can follow so that we can make better choices and make a better life by making a better you. God has given us the wisdom in his word and in today's sermon we're going to discover God's principles for making better choices to make a better life. But before we find out more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you are right here with us. You're in us, speaking to us, surrounding us. We take this moment now to turn our hearts and minds to you. 
We submit to you and we silence every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to us. As we call upon you, answer us. As we desire your wisdom, open our eyes to see it. We pray today that you will enlighten our hearts and minds and give us the wisdom to make better choices to build a better life by becoming a better person. That at the end of the day, your name will be glorified and our lives will be changed. We thank you in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. I want to invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray along with me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, good morning once again. Welcome to Agape House. You picked a great Sunday to join in as we're beginning a brand new sermon series called You 2.0. For the next few weeks, we're going to be studying God's word to find out the wisdom that we need to make better choices. For the fact is you make choices and your choices make you. The fact is we all face choices in life. One of the most amazing truths in the word of God is that we're created in God's image. God has the ability to make choices, and so do we. We all make choices, and the choices we make make our lives. Now, there's some things you can't choose. You don't get to choose the family you're a part of. You don't get to choose the fundamentals of your appearance. But in everything that's really, truly important about your destiny and your direction in life, you get to choose. You have the power, the Bible says, over and over to make choices. And when you understand that you make choices and your choices make you, you'll begin to focus on how to make better choices so you can make a better you. See, who you are today is a result of all of yesterday's choices. You are the sum totality of all the choices you've made. And who you will become tomorrow will be a result of the choices you make today. And even when those choices seem small and insignificant, they add up to impact the direction and the destiny of your life. So today, let's discover how we can make better choices and to help us do that. We printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin or available for free download online. And I invite you to take out your notes and follow along with me as we discover how to choose what's really important. There at the top of your notes is a passage from a scripture story that we're going to read today from Luke chapter 10. Here's what we'll do. I'm going to read the introduction to the story, and then we're all going to read together the last couple of verses that are there at the top of your notes. Now receive the word of the Lord from Luke 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Okay, let's all join together and read the last two verses out loud. Ready? Go. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is important. Mary has chosen the better thing, and it will never be taken away from her. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. When our story begins, we see Jesus coming to the home of two sisters, Martha and Mary. And when he gets there, there's a lot of excitement and commotion. And Martha sits to work. She starts to make the dinner and pound the foo-foo and cut the onions. But Mary makes a different choice. She chooses to sit. 
and listen to Jesus' teaching. And Mary's choice makes Martha angry. And at first glance, it seems that Martha has a legitimate complaint. After all, she's working, she's sweating, and there's that lazy Mary doing nothing to help. If we'd been there, we would have agreed with Martha. We would have complained with her to Jesus. We agree that Mary should get up and help. But here's the funny thing. In that day, the women were supposed to stay in the kitchen, but Mary was breaking cultural norms and breaking her reputation by sitting there. A woman wasn't expected to be among the rabbi's students, but Mary actually made the better choice. For Jesus gives Martha a surprising answer. When she comes to complain to him, he begins to explain to her that the way she's looking at the situation is not how he views it. And in his comments to Martha, Jesus begins to teach all of us how to make better choices. See, Jesus cuts to the matter of the issue right here and gives us a solid principle to live by. Jesus doesn't tell us to choose what's reasonable or what's culturally acceptable or even what's normal. He tells us to choose what's important. And in that principle is the secret to building a better you through better decisions. So let's dig deeper into the story and understand three guideposts for building a better you. And here's your first guidepost today. When you want to make better choices, choose purpose over activity. Everybody say purpose. Listen again to what Jesus tells Martha in verse 41. Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. So Jesus identifies Martha's main problem here. She's worried because she's focused on the wrong things. Whenever you're worried, you're focusing on the wrong thing. She was focused on her activity instead of her purpose. And what you worry about most reveals what you value the most. Martha was worried about many things because many things were valuable to her, but she was missing the most important thing. And in this truth from Jesus Christ, we learn this today for our own lives. The most important thing in life is not keeping busy. The most important thing in life is to fulfill your purpose. But the truth is you can do a lot of things in life, but not all of those things you do fulfill your purpose. You have to focus on the things that fulfill your purpose, for it's only in fulfilling your purpose in life that you'll discover a better life. That's the truth we can learn from a great Jewish leader in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. God gave Nehemiah a wonderful purpose. He sent him to the land of Israel to rebuild that ancient capital city of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah was focused on his purpose. But immediately he stepped out to fulfill his purpose. Other people tried to distract him. Leaders from the surrounding regions came to distract him and to call him away from his purpose. And if he'd stopped to listen to other people, demands, he would have let the work go down. If he'd been more interested in his reputation or what was culturally acceptable, he would not have fulfilled his purpose. But Nehemiah knew that his purpose was greater than any other thing. His purpose took priority over every other activity and his reputation. So he says in Nehemiah 6.3, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. He focused on his great work and he become a great man. And the same principle is true for all of us. When you understand that God has given you a purpose and God has given you a great work to do, you will prioritize that purpose over everything else. You'll focus on the great work God has entrusted to you rather than activities that turn your way. 
But the fact is, you have a purpose from God. Every single one of us today here in this room, everyone on the earth has a purpose from God. For the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 4, the Lord has made everything for his own purpose. And when you discover you have a purpose, you begin to prioritize it. You begin to walk with a better life. Colossians 1, 16 says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. So put your hand on your chest and raise your other hand and say, I find my purpose in the Lord. Your purpose is found in God, not in your career. Your purpose is found in God, not in your education. Your purpose is found in God, not in your family. Your career gives you the income so that you can live your life and fulfill your purpose. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Pursuing my career helps me make a living, but pursuing my purpose makes my life. Too many people today are missing this truth in all their activity. Too many people today think that busyness makes them important. And often this wrong idea comes from something wrong inside of us. When you lack self-esteem, when you have a low opinion of yourself and you feel insecure about yourself, you want to chase activities because the appearance of busyness makes you feel more important. When people feel lonely or hurt, they chase busyness to feel the void in their hearts. When people run from God, they chase activities and busyness to numb the conviction. In this day and age, people are chasing busy activities to find fulfillment. But busyness does not equal productivity. Busyness does not equal importance. And the things that make me look important aren't always the things that are important. If you ask me, busyness is the curse of this generation. And that's why the Bible says in Daniel 12, 4, the time of the end when many will rush here and there. He's prophesying about Accra. People are rushing here and there, but all too often our activity crowds out our purpose. For the fact is if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because when you're busy, you end up forgetting your purpose. You end up chasing things that aren't important. When you're busy, you consume your time with activity instead of focusing on the one important thing. You have to prioritize your God-given purpose. We need to look no further than our own homeland of Ghana to illustrate this truth. We all know that Ghana is a cocoa-producing nation. Together with our neighbor, La Côte d'Ivoire, we produce 60% of the world's cocoa production. Now you would think that between us and Cote d'Ivoire with 60% of the world's cocoa production that we would be able to control the price of cocoa and reap a windfall profit. Yet in spite of the fact that we control 60% of the world's production, we are still price takers. We're forced to accept the prevailing price on the market. We control the supply, but we don't control the price. Why? We're focused on activity, but not purpose. We spend all our efforts in busily producing cocoa pods, but we don't focus on the end result. We reject the purpose of the cocoa pods, and the result is we only gain a fraction of the value on the world market. 
See, the worldwide market for cocoa seeds is $5 billion annually, but the world market for cocoa products is $140 million annually. Why are we stuck in the $5 billion sector and not in the $140 billion sector? Because we've lost sight of the end goal. No matter how much we increase cocoa production, no matter what techniques we use to grow more cocoa, we will never achieve any level of true prosperity as long as we focus on the activity of raw material and neglect the purpose of the product, the end result. And the same thing is true for you. You will never achieve any level of true impact in your life as long as you're focused on activity instead of purpose. Reach for the end result of your life, and you will have something worth living for. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Pursuing your purpose isn't about the amount of your activity. It's about the impact of your activity. That's the lesson we can learn from the great Italian painter Leonardo da Vinci. If you know anything about painting, you'll know that he was one of the greatest painters who ever lived. But the surprising truth is Leonardo da Vinci was not all that productive. He painted great works like the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper, yet in his entire life he only only completed 16 paintings. That's about one painting for every four years of his life. In terms of activity and productivity, Leonardo da Vinci wasn't very productive. But the amount of his work does not reflect the impact of his work. He's considered one of the greatest artists that ever lived, and his 16 paintings are worth far more than thousands of paintings from lesser-known artists. Because pursuing your purpose isn't about the amount of your activity. Pursuing your purpose is about the impact of your activity. That's why God says in Ephesians 5.15, live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as men who do not know the meaning and purpose of their life, but as those who do. So here's the first guidepost you need in order to follow to make a better choice and make a better life. When you're facing a decision, ask this, will this decision help me fulfill my purpose? For a purpose-driven life is a better choice. And when you make a better choice, you make a better you. And that leads us to our second guidepost today. Choose people instead of things. Everybody say people. Listen to how our story continues and the powerful words Jesus gives to Martha. He says in verse 42, only one thing is important. And Jesus continues to identify the problem with Martha's choices by teaching us this truth. Of all the things in this life, the most important thing is not things. The most important thing in life is people. That's why God does not validate you by your performance. God validates you by your relationship. Martha didn't get God's attention by her frenetic activity. Mary got God's attention because of her devotion to her relationship with him. Martha focused on getting things ready, but Mary focused on relationship. And when you follow Mary's focus, you make a better choice to make a better you. The fact is things come and go, but people remain. All your trophies, all those things you've accumulated will one day disappear, but you will build a better life when you begin to invest in people. 
This is certainly the example that Jesus gave for us. If anybody was busy, Jesus was busy. His diary was full. His calendar was packed. He was out for crusades, healing the sick, preaching the gospel, helping the poor, raising the dead, casting out demons. The top leaders in society were calling for him, looking to book an appointment. In fact, in Mark 5, we have the story of a very wealthy, powerful, and important man who sent for Jesus. And Jesus is on the way going when suddenly an unknown, poor sick woman comes and stops him. But Jesus understands that investing in people is the better choice to a better life. And Jesus stops his activity. He stops his busy schedule. He stops going to the wealthy and rich man and takes time to minister into this woman. Jesus invested in people, not things. Jesus focused on people. He never built a building. He didn't start an organization. He didn't buy a lot of property. He invested in people because he knew that people don't perish. That's why Mark 10, 45, it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Turn your notes over to page two and understand that Jesus came to serve people. He came to love people. And most people today love things and use people, but Jesus loved people and use things. And true followers of Jesus Christ will always follow his example. So when you're making a decision this year, here's guidepost number two. Ask yourself, will this decision invest in other people? For you see, the greatest impact of your life, the way to build a better lasting life, is to invest not in activities, not in things, but in people. Jesus himself said how important this is in Mark 12. He said, the most important commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. It's the same. It's not lesser. It's not number two in rank. It's equal. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And Jesus clearly teaches us that if you want a better life, make better choices by focusing on people. Love people. Now let me make it clear. Investing in people does not mean that you live to please people. Loving people doesn't mean that you dance to their tune and do what they want. An example of this can be seen in Jesus. You're likely to displease people when you begin to invest in people. Jesus began to invest in the prostitutes, the sinners, and the drunkards, and he got a lot of opposition from the religious leaders. We see this example in Paul's life. He invested in Gentiles like you and I, and the Jews got offended and persecuted him. And Mary, in our story, invested in her relationship with Christ and met the displeasure of her sister Martha. Mary chose to invest in a relationship above everything else because she based her choice on relationship with Jesus, not on popular opinion or cultural standards. See, here's the problem. Living to please people oftentimes keeps you from the purpose of God. Often pleasing people is the opposite of investing in people. That's the lesson we can learn from the true story of a man from the eastern region named Nana Yao. Nana Yao was conceived out of wedlock in 1959. And believe me, in those days, it was scandalous to be pregnant without a husband. The family was so disgraced and embarrassed, they pleaded and pressurized Nanayao's mother to abort him because of the disgrace and the shame. But considerable pressure was put on her, but Nanayao's mother refused. She didn't listen to people. She invested in the person she was caring. And so his son was born in Kibi. He grew up poor. 
and uneducated, and it looked as if there was no bright future for him. His father wanted nothing to do with him, and it seemed her his mother had made a bad choice. But then in 1970, for some reason, his father made a choice to invest in the boy, to get involved. So he went to Kibi and brought the boy when he was 10 or 11 to Legon. He enrolled him in education school, went to Nanayao went to Achimota School. From there, he went to Columbia University in New York City. From there, he earned an MBA at Yale. Nanayao became a Wall Street banker. Eventually, he came back to Ghana and started an investment bank, an insurance company, and eventually went into politics. We know Nanayao today as the Honorable Minister of Finance, Mr. Ken Nanayao of Furiata. And he is who he is because his mother made a choice not to listen to people but to invest in his life. And his father made a choice to overcome the shame and invest in his son. Every one of us can point to people who've had a significant impact in our lives because they invested in us. In fact, the more people invest in you, the more likely you are to succeed. I am who I am today because God brought people to invest in me. My parents prayed for me to be saved. A woman donated my first term fees at Bible school. My mentor taught me to preach. My pastors prayed for me and pushed me higher. And their investment today in my life continues to flow out. If you've been blessed at all through my preaching, you can thank God for those who invested in me. And the same is true for you. Your money will perish, but the people you invest in will continue to produce a harvest forever and ever. Your accomplishments will fade your trophies will be forgotten. Your house will be occupied by others, but the lives you touch will live on. That's why Jesus said in Mark 8.35, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. If you want true life, if you want a better life, begin by making better choices and making a better you. And that brings us to our third guidepost today. Choose what's important instead of what's urgent. Everybody say important. Listen to how our story ends in verse 42. Jesus concludes his teaching to Martha and us with these words. Mary has chosen the better thing. Everybody say better thing. And it will never be taken away from her. And today Jesus says the same thing to you. If you want the better thing so that you can get the better life by making a better you, you've got to choose what is permanent. If you want a better life, choose what is permanent. When he said to Mary, what will be given to her will never be taken away. That's the third guiding principle. And we need to ask ourselves today, what choices can I make that will never be taken away from me? For everything in this life will be taken from you. If you're making a choice between two pieces of cloth, in the end, both of them will be gone. If you're making a choice between two cars to buy, both of them will be gone one day. If you're making a choice between two types of houses to live in, both of them will be destroyed. For all your best efforts to hold on to the things of this world will fail. One day, everything you possess will be taken away. That's a powerful lesson we can learn from a man named Dr. Chris Lackey. Dr. Chris Lackey is an English professor at the University of New Orleans in the USA. Way back in 2005, when Hurricane Katrina was about to hit the city of New Orleans, 
Chris Lackey did what everybody else in the city did. He went into his house and tried his best to safeguard his valuables. He took all of his property and packed it in secure trunks. He put it as high in the house as he could to avoid the floodwaters. Now, Chris was in the middle of writing a novel, so he backed up the document on his hard drive. He backed it up on external drives. He printed out copies to make sure he wouldn't lose his novel. But when Hurricane Katrina hit the city, the flooding was worse than expected. The water rose to about three and a half meters high, and Chris Lackey's house was completely submerged. Everything was destroyed. Returning more than a month later, he found hard drives covered in mud. He found his printed pages floating in the water. He'd lost everything. In spite of his best efforts to secure his valuables, they were all gone. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how wise you are at investing, no matter how hard you work, you cannot safeguard all your property. For every one of us will lose every single thing we own one day. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So in order to make better choices, you have to understand there's more to life than this life. You may be climbing the ladder of success, but what if the ladder you're climbing is leaning against the wrong building? You may be racing down the road of progress, but what if you're on the wrong road? What if the destination you've chosen is the wrong one? We all have somewhere to go. We're all looking for an easy way to get there quickly, but if you don't choose wisely, you may end up at a destination you never intended for you. Make choices, and your choices make you. If you make better choices, you'll make a better you. If you choose what's important, you'll live an important life. And God holds every one of us accountable for the choices we make. That's why 2 Corinthians 5 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Every decision, every choice, every action you make today, this week, this month, this year, God will hold you accountable. In fact, there's a book being written right now about your life, every choice you make. Revelation 20 tells us about it. John says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, presidents and paupers, kings and rulers and politicians and lawyers and Supreme Court justices and kinky sellers and prostitutes standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. But I'm not talking about the book of life. That's about salvation. I'm talking about the books. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And so often we focus only on the one book, the book of life. Am I going to make it to heaven? But the Bible says there are many books, books written with your deeds and your decisions. They'll be opened and read. That's why to make a better life, by making a better you, you have to ask this question for Guidepost 3. Will this decision bring lasting impact? 
In other words, how will this decision be viewed in the light of eternity? For when you focus on your purpose, not activity, and when you focus on people, not things, and when you focus on what's permanent, not temporary, you make a lasting impact. That's why 1 Timothy 6 says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. If you want true life, if you want a better life, make better choices by asking these three questions. What choices can I make today? What choices can I make this year to pursue my purpose? What choices can I make right now and throughout this year to invest in people? What choices can I make this year to make a permanent impact? For when you choose your purpose and you pursue investing in people and you go for what is permanent, you're making better choices and better choices make a better you. It's you, but a better you. It's you, 2.0. Bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7:30, 9:30, or 11:30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here.